men who serve our nation in combat deserve a plan for victory. They deserve the tools they need and the trust they have earned to fight and to win. Welcome to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer, sitting in for Stephen Henderson this morning, who is on day two of filling in for Joshua Johnson, host of the national NPR program 1A out of Washington, D.C. You can hear Stephen have that conversation with the entire nation tonight at 8 here on WDET. He'll be back in Detroit in this chair tomorrow morning, but for now, the show must go on. And I'm very excited about what we have for you this morning. Later in the hour, we're going to talk about the time that bluesmen John Lee Hooker spent here in Detroit and about the Detroit Sound Conservancy inducting him into the Detroit Sound Hall of Fame tonight. Ahead of what we believe is John Lee Hooker's 100th birthday, that's sort of a mystery, actually, about when he was actually born. But we think that it's coming up in, I believe, October. But first, President Donald Trump addressed the nation last night about his plans for the war in Afghanistan and his larger strategy for what he's been calling South Asia, I'm not sure it's the perfect uh, description for the region that he's talking about, the countries we're dealing with, but uh, it's it's a war we've been fighting for almost 16 years now. Although Trump repeatedly said 17 years last night, it's closer to we're we're coming up on the 17 or the 16 year anniversary. The president said a number of times that American troops fight to win and that we will fight to win this war. But what does winning mean at this point? What would it take to achieve those objectives? The speech was light on details, to say the least. He didn't say how many additional troops will go to Afghanistan, if any. Uh, He did say that we would shift away from any timelines for withdrawal, that our relationship with Pakistan and India would change, and that he wants to ease rules of engagement. Um, But is there any end in sight, though, for the war in Afghanistan? What does all of this say about our larger foreign policy approach under the Trump administration? And what does it say about the ongoing war on terror? What does it say about America's role in the world? Callers, we want to hear from you. Uh, Are you tired of America's involvement in Afghanistan and in other parts of the world? Or do you think it's important for us to leave that uh, country having achieved our goals? Uh, What should those goals even be? Uh, What should America's role in the world be as we as we got to a little bit earlier? And what do we also want to hear from Trump voters? Did you vote for Trump? And is this what you voted for? Trump ran on a less interventionist foreign policy specifically regarding Afghanistan. Do you support increasing our involvement in that country? The number to call is 313-577-1019. Again, that's 313-577-1019. We'd love to hear from you during this hour as we talk about the war in Afghanistan. But first, we want to bring two very, very smart people into the conversation who know a lot about this. Peter Trumbor is an associate professor of political science and the coordinator of international the International Relations Program at Oakland University. Peter, Welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Jake. And Saeed Khan is an expert in Middle and Near East history and politics. He's a lecturer at Wayne State University. Saeed, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me back, Jake. Very good to hear from you guys. Um, Now, when this war started, I was a 13-year-old boy in middle school. And now I'm old enough to sit in the host chair for for a radio show. Why has this dragged on for so long? Saeed, I'll start with you. What is the reason we've been hearing about this, this this war is almost old enough to vote. 
Well, actually, Jake, uh, this war began before you were born. Uh, sure. Really, what we're talking about is something that began in 1979 with the uh, Soviet invasion of Afghanistan at that time and uh, American intervention there. What has changed, though, since you were in middle school, <laughs> is uh, actual uh, boots on the ground for American forces. But I think it's important to recognize that Afghanistan has been a theater uh, since the latter part of the 20th century as a proxy war to uh, with, with uh, the Cold War being in place. But Afghanistan is also known as the uh, the country where empires die. Mm. Uh, this is, of course, uh, the, the closing overs of, of the Soviet Union. Before that, it was really the British involvement in South Asia. And now we find that the United States is in a position where it is uh, questioning uh, really what to do with this rather problematic situation there. What we find, though, is a, uh, like with any uh, incoming uh, administration, some kind of thrust to remedy a situation. There is an awful lot of idealism. Uh, there is sometimes cockiness and arrogance to think that uh, that we can solve the, uh, the problems of these situations. Part of it is uh, due to the fact that we think that might makes right and military intervention is going to deal with anything, irrespective of how asymmetric the, the situation might be on the ground. And part of it is also uh, a complete uh, ignorance to the cultural uh, issues that go on in uh, these countries, what matters to people, uh, how people can uh, navigate and negotiate their societies, and how the United States can plug into those. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I've seen and heard the the number that it's been about 2,000 years since any uh, country outside of the region has been able to actually hold Afghanistan in some sort of peaceful way. Is that is? Are you familiar with that? Or that is, that is correct. Um, the the Afghans, uh, at least in that area, and remember, I mean, Afghanistan is is a nation that was created essentially uh, out, out of the omission of what other nations were created around it. But in that uh, that particular uh, piece of land, which we now know as Afghanistan. People have been coming through there since Alexander the Great. Mm -hmm. uh, we find that it is the tenacity, uh, along with the terrain uh, of uh, Afghanistan, that have uh, perhaps been its uh, best repellents to these forces. Mm -hmm. uh, Peter, going back to 2001, we're, we're talking right after 9-11. The, the country is... Uh, in a very strange place, also sort of a, a strange moment of unity in many ways uh, before the war in Afghanistan. Talk about what the objectives have been in terms of winning in Afghanistan, of actually what goals have we set? What goals did we set then? Because I think a lot of Americans thought at the time, we're going to get the guys that got us, right? We're going to go in there and we're going to make sure that that justice is served. Um, now, that's sort of a when in terms of military strategy, that's you know not necessarily something that uh, is measurable, right? In terms of the, the the people that that we were going after, and then the situation that was created. How have the objectives changed, and what can you can you get to a, a sense of what winning would mean in Afghanistan? Right. So this is in fact one of the. One of the answers to your question is, is why have we been there for 16 years is because the objective of United States involvement has been continuously shifting over those 16 years. Right. So if you go back to late 2001, the initial objective is to eliminate al-Qaeda uh, to punish the Taliban. And that is, is largely successful, although not completely successful. Certainly al-Qaeda's leadership escapes. Um, and then we fail, uh, we fail the, the Battle of Tora Bora. We fail to, uh, to sort of 
and the al-Qaeda uh, leadership at, at, at that point. But also what begins to happen very quickly after our initial intervention is the shifting of focus and resources away from Afghanistan to what was the buildup to Iraq and then the Iraq War. So that initial failure to eliminate al-Qaeda uh, required the United States to continue its involvement. Initially, the Bush administration was opposed to nation building in the same way that, that Trump announced last night, that the United States was not going to engage in, in trying to build an Afghan nation in our image. That was essentially the Bush administration's position. They began to shift on that, and nation building became an explicit part of the mission uh, by the time we got into the latter uh, half of the Bush administration. Uh, Obama begins the drawdown from a peak of, of more than 100,000 U.S. troops. Um, so by the time we get, what, around 2011, when the United States, uh, under the Obama administration, decides that, that enough is enough, we're down to about 88,000 today. Um, part of the problem has been uh, no clear definition of what what winning in Afghanistan means. And so when President Trump says that we are going to fight to win, unless you know what winning represents, then all that becomes is yet a continuation of what has become an open-ended commitment to stay there indefinitely. What, what struck me yesterday is that Trump said we will not engage in nation building. But, but we will invest. But we will invest in, right. in, in the Afghan economy. So uh, to me, what that means is that that we're not going to spend much time trying to create the kind of stable institutions that would allow investment to make sense. I mean, honestly, there are so many pieces of that speech last night that were internally inconsistent and incompatible that it's tough to sort of draw a line between any any one statement and what its sort of logical outcome might be. This notion that we're not going to engage in nation building, if that means that we're not going to support the development of sort of uh, stable uh, preferably, I guess, from our perspective, democratic Afghan governmental institutions that were not going to work with the Afghan government to try to uh, resolve the the very deep problems of, of corruption and things like that. If we're not going to do that, then I would suggest that most of our other efforts are likely to be unsuccessful as well. Hmm. You're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer, filling in for Stephen Henderson this morning. We're talking about the war in Afghanistan, President Trump's address to the nation last night about his strategy for Afghanistan and other parts of Asia as well. Uh, we want to hear from you. Are you interested in seeing the, the United States involved in these conflicts overseas? Is it time to get into Afghanistan more, to double down on our involvement there? Or is it time to start drawing down or to continue to draw down in Afghanistan? Uh, and what did you think of Trump's speech last night? Did you think that he presented a clear path forward in terms of foreign policy, in terms of Afghanistan? And in sort of the larger question as well, what do you think the, America's role in the world is on these issues? Should we be overseas uh, involved in nation in nation building in the Middle East and uh, should we be should we have boots on the ground in other countries? Uh, are you a Trump voter? Do you think this is what you voted for? Is do, are you okay with this? Do you support Trump's uh, sort of suggestion that we are going to be more involved in Afghanistan in the future? The number is 313-577-1019. Again, that's 313-577-1019. You can also go to our Facebook page and leave us a comment there or go to Twitter and use the hashtag Detroit Today. 
So, Peter and Saeed, uh, we, I should mention who you guys are again to remind people. Peter Trumbor is Associate Professor of Political Science and the Coordinator of the International Relations Program at Oakland University. Saeed Khan is an expert in Middle and Near East history and politics. He's a lecturer at Wayne State University. Uh, guys, I think if we were expecting to hear a whole lot of detail last night, if we expected to come in here this, you know, today and debate sort of concrete policy proposals, I think we're a little disappointed this morning. Uh, but, you know, what did you get out of what the president had to say yesterday? Peter, I'll start with you. What was the what was your big takeaway yesterday? And do you think that there was this uh, a vision, a clear vision put forward by the president? Uh, OK, so no. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I guess that's not a huge surprise, right? Uh, I, I the one thing that, that he could have done that would have been really dramatic would be at the end of what was, what was purported to be a months-long review process. If the conclusion had been for him to actually do what he said he was going to do on the stump, which was to essentially end America's involvement there. This is one of the things that, I, that he was, I think, very forceful on uh, was that – and has been for several years. Uh, going back to 2015, you have you – have, uh, uh, Donald Trump talking about how Afghanistan is essentially a wasted mission, mm. uh, both in terms of, of of lives and treasure, and that was a very bold position to take, and and one that I think you could have uh, you could have looked at and said, well, I'm not necessarily crazy about the way you're going to put that, but it's tough to argue with the the fundamental point. Um, that would have been a dramatic new strategy. That would have been a dramatic new direction, and it's not one that that he took. I think what, what we see coming out of this review is what I suspect most people assumed would come out of it, which is a continuation of the status quo. Uh, you know, three presidents now have looked at the same problem and have been offered the same array of choices and have essentially made the same sets of decisions. And I think that that was the, uh, the most obvious outcome of, of any review process that was going to be led from the Pentagon. Mm. Said, what was your sort of uh, big re- I mean, what was the what what stood out to you in the speech yesterday? Well, I concur with everything that uh, that Peter said. I mean, uh, in many ways, this was really not sur- uh, surprising. Uh, people are focusing and dwelling on the fact that uh, he was honest, candid, and uh, dare I even say contrite enough to. Uh, say that, and again, this is really with tongue in cheek, uh, a, a, a departure from his campaign rhetoric. We also have to remember that part of that campaign rhetoric was that uh, Afghanistan was going to be a place where we grabbed their minerals because we were entitled to them. And even more recently, it was being bandied about by Eric Prince, he brother mm. of Betsy DeVos uh, and formerly of Blackwater, that we privatize Afghanistan to have both a private army as well as a private air force and then turn uh, Afghanistan into something uh, of a... Uh, a reincarnation of the British East India Company mm. with having a viceroy there. Uh, talk about neo-colonialism. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, the more explicit language which was uh, focusing on Pakistan as well as uh, the rather muscular language of an alliance with India uh, were uh, unprecedented. Uh, clearly, when it comes to Pakistan, uh, prior administrations have uh, tried to hold Uh, Islamabad's feet to the proverbial fire. Uh, They've done so in a much more discreet way. Uh, But then again, uh, discretion being uh, nine-tenths of valor, it seems like uh, indiscretion is really more the uh, the call uh, with this administration. Yeah, yeah, Peter, go ahead. But it's also, I think, important to recognize there's there's limited pressure that we can bring to bear 
on Pakistan that won't come back and be really counterproductive from an American standpoint. Uh, the United States relies on Pakistan to supply any forces, any American forces in Afghanistan. That's just a simple reality of geography. Mm-hmm. Uh, U.S. supplies for Afghanistan come in through Karachi. And if Pakistan denies the United States the use of its port facilities and its airspace, then any American personnel in Afghanistan are essentially uh, out of supply chain. Mm. And and we have to recognize that that our ability to force the Pakistanis to go in a direction that they're not interested in going in is far more limited than uh, than the president acknowledged, and mm. that, po- that prior presidents have really publicly acknowledged. And sure. there's two other factors involved. One is Pakistan is a nuclear state, right? And we see the vacillations in dealing with North Korea. Well, that has to be taken into consideration with uh, with Pakistan, with whom, by the way, we've had a very sustained relationship. Uh, since the Cold War. Uh, Pakistan was a member of both CENTO as well as CETO, which are uh, the uh, the South Asian and the Southeast Asian equivalents of NATO, uh, these defense uh, pacts. But also we have to uh, take into consideration that there's another power involved, which has very strong ties with uh, Pakistan, and that is China. Mm-hmm. And so we have to see this as being a very multifaceted, multipolar uh, conflict uh, as far as the United States is concerned on the proverbial chessboard. The pressure um, that uh, uh, the president was trying to leverage on Pakistan, implying that we will cut off aid, that's not going to work very well with Pakistan when there is such deep investment with China. So the replacement of aid without having the excess baggage that the United States might hold uh, is not an option that Pakistan is necessarily going to be trembling about. So when the president says that Pakistan is a country that is harboring terrorists and, and militants that want to get us, basically, is for one thing, what is the what is the value of that statement? I mean, the, is that is that a fair statement on his part? And also, uh, is there a logical way to deal with that uh, without upsetting, as you're saying, this sort of uh, world stability in many ways. So this doesn't uh, approach the level of divulging classified information. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's hardly a secret that uh, the ISI, uh, which is Pakistan's uh, intelligence uh, body, very, very powerful, some would say perhaps the most powerful uh, entity within the country, uh, has worked very, very closely, as, as Peter was saying, because of the supply chain with not only the Pentagon, but of course also the CIA. It seems mm-hmm. like everything that's west of the Potomac uh, has a, a lot of currency in, uh, in, in Pakistan. So we have to, of course, be as uh, candid uh, as uh, the president's statement that he, uh, he has changed his uh, tack since uh, the campaign, that what our role has been in creating the circumstances for Pakistan then perhaps being a safe haven for extremist groups uh, has some of our hands involved in it. Sure. Uh, Pakistan, for its own reasons, uh, uh, supports and, and shelters these groups. Um, it is in Pakistan's interest, in fact, in, in some ways for Afghanistan to not be stable. Um, despite the fact that, that Pakistanis have, have suffered and died at the hands of these groups, Pakistan has also been, at, through its military, through its intelligence services, has been working closely with them. Uh, it's a very complex arrangement in which all of the actors have their own interests in play. And it's very easy for an American president to say, Pakistan will do X 
it's much more difficult for any American president to deliver that kind of cooperation from Pakistan or anybody else. Yeah. Well, coming up on Detroit Today, we'll continue our conversation about the war in Afghanistan, and we'll take your calls. Tim, Jonathan, Pramod, Chris, all stay on the line, please. We will get to you right after the break. Your city. Your town. Your voice. 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer, sitting in for Stephen Henderson today. And just a reminder, Stephen, the reason he's not here, he's filling in on 1A, the national NPR program out of Washington, D.C., WAMU. He's going to be having that conversation. You can hear right here on WDET tonight at 8. And very excited for him to uh, be doing that again. Last night uh, sounded really, really good, and I'm excited to hear what he has to have for you tonight. Uh, And I am, uh, again, filling in for him today. We're talking about the war in Afghanistan here on Detroit Today. And we want to get to your calls. Um, And But first, um, if you have something to say about the war in Afghanistan and where we are at this point, what the role of the United States should be, not just in Afghanistan, but all over the world in terms of nation building, making sure that, uh, you know, in terms of what our boots on the ground should look like, keeping the peace, uh, should should boots on the ground be involved in that? Call us, 313-577-1019. Again, that's 577-1019. You can also go to our Facebook page and leave us a comment there, or go to Twitter and use the hashtag Detroit Today. But first, we want to get to the the phone lines. Right now, we are talking to Peter Trombor, Associate Professor of Political Science and the Coordinator of the International Relations Program at Oakland University, and Saeed Khan, expert in Middle East and Near East history and politics and a lecturer at Wayne State University. So, Jonathan from Warren, you're on Detroit Today. Thanks for calling. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good. Uh, What's your question or comment today, Jonathan? Well, my comment, I think... In the region, I mean, when when we went into Afghanistan militarily, we, we went in with what you should have had the understanding that there's a responsibility when you enter a sovereign nation. And if you take military action that either stabilizes or destabilizes, you know, if you do decide to exit and, and say that, you know, there's not a, a dog in this hunt, um, you have the responsibility to then restore ability to that sovereignty. You know, you can't just pull out. So I think we should take maybe less of an offensive strategy out of Afghanistan and use, you know, use the boots on the ground to be gathering counterintelligence with the the terrorist activity in the region and, and using our presence there to foster relationships with countries in the region and take less offensive strategies and more more diplomacy route where you're trying to use our presence in the region to to bring stability to that region and to to foster a relationship yeah jonathan thank you so much for that call it's a point well taken uh saeed what do you think of what jonathan is saying here it's sort of a if you break it you own it sort of uh attitude correct yeah i think jonathan is is spot on and uh uh, piggybacking on a point that uh, that Peter made, 
one of the real tragedies uh, and frustrations when it comes to American uh, engagement with Afghanistan is this whole problem of taking the eye off the road. We saw that this happened in 2002 because of Iraq. We also had this happen in 1989 when the Soviet uh, army pulled out of Afghanistan, creating a power vacuum. That happened because American attention shifted uh, exclusively to the fall of the Berlin Wall and the opportunism of coming into Eastern Europe and fortifying our positions there at the expense of some of our Western allies. But the fact that uh, uh, in 2002, with the United States uh, moving to Iraq, it then set up another civil war in, uh, uh, and power vacuum in Afghanistan, which has to then be seen as uh, the leg, or now we're paying uh, the price for that with the with the legacy of it, and uh, this issue of attention span, I think, uh, has to be also then taken into uh, a focus with the current president. Will he have the attention span to see through even his rather nebulous policy that he set forth yesterday? Mm. Yeah, and and let me piggyback on what Sayed said at the at sort of the top of the of the first segment, and that is, uh, it's not that the United States came in in two thousand one and broke a functioning state. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like the sort of, you know, you break it, you buy it. Well, it was already broken. It had been broken for decades. So the United States essentially came into uh, into a country that really had just, and, it, it, you know, give the Taliban, I suppose, some credit for imposing some degree of order on parts of the country. But the reality was that, that, that Afghanistan in 2001 was not the Afghanistan of the of the early 1970s or the 1960s or the 1950s that had some degree of functioning uh, institutions and some degree of of sort of modern structure, um, and so this notion that if we come in and we and we militarily defeat a place, our obligation is then to stay and rebuild it. I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that, but in the context of Afghanistan, that is a much steeper order than uh, than, for example, say uh, Iraq frankly. Yeah. Now, Jonathan, thank you so much for the call. We really appreciate that. Uh, let's go to Pramod and Warren. Uh, Pramod, you're on Detroit today. Yes. Good morning, uh, gentlemen. Uh, I think the way we are fighting the war in Afghanistan is not winnable. We've been proven uh, in the last uh, 16 years because Pakistan is playing a double game uh, where, you know, it, it is uh, milking the U.S. government uh, for billions of dollars every year. And at the same time, they have been arming and uh, supporting Taliban to take over the Afghanistan government. So the best policy is to let go of Afghanistan, take out most of the forces from there, and basically put a very uh, minimal footprint in the country to train the Afghan forces and go in with the drones or as and when required. That's the only policy that will work with a, uh, you know, um, frenemy like Pakistan. I think they they do not want Afghan government uh, to be fully democratic and uh, uh, representative of its people. That's my basic comment. Pramod, thank you so much for that call. I really appreciate it. Um, Peter, do you have a reaction to that? Uh, I think the caller is mostly right. There is a case to be made for disengaging in, in a robust way on the ground and to make Afghanistan the focus of, of strong counter and anti-terror operations. I mean, mm-hmm. if the president, and the president last night, I think he was actually right when he said that Afghanistan and Pakistan represent some of the most significant terrorism challenges that the United States faces. It's somewhat instructive that neither, the, neither of those two countries are ones that were part of his anti-terror sort of immigration ban. Um, 
But there is a case to be made for changing the way that we are engaged in Afghanistan, to move away from a robust American military presence towards something with a much lighter footprint. Uh, and even if that means, you know, essentially losing control over what the future development of Afghanistan looks like. I think in the case of uh, in, of, uh, of Pakistan, uh, we're looking at a country with whom we've had a seven decades long relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm not willing to characterize it as as uh, promote with as a frenemy relationship, a friend <laughs> relationship, an allied relationship, or even a or, or even a bromance. Uh, <laughs> uh, wh- what we have here is stone cold realpolitik, mm. a very practical relationship in a, in a part of the world that has has evolved as a result of what has been American foreign policy and its priorities and strategic interests there, not really that of Pakistan. In a chess match, Pakistan has always had to play the black pieces. At the same time, as Peter said, geography really controls everything. And Pakistan, whether um, those who are more in favor of Indian engagement like it or not, Pakistan has the geography when it comes to the situation and in many ways has had despite its its current uh, incarnation when it comes to uh, safe havens of uh, uh, being a safe haven for extremists has been much more reliable as far as Washington has con- been concerned than the more mercurial relationships it's had with New Delhi with Moscow and some of the other neighbors and I think Peter and I were speaking during the break one country that was simply not mentioned at all was Iran mm-hmm right so what what role do they play in all this do you do you have a sense of uh, what role they could play at this point or? If you're talking about a regional strategy of which Afghanistan, Pakistan, and India are a part, then, then Iran has to be included in the conversation. Right. Uh, Iran has interests with all of these players. Um, and so to leave them, to simply leave the name unspoken, uh, I think begs the issue of whether or not this is actually a regional strategy at all or mm-hmm. if it's simply a, a, a reworked uh, Afghanistan policy. So I'd like to sort of try to get to the that sort of bigger question about how this fits into the question of America's role in the world. I mean, when it comes to this concern that we've heard from callers today and, and, and others in, in for the last couple of decades about leaving vacuums where we came in uh, – I mean, there are this. It seems like these issues are so fraught with unintended consequences. I mean, uh, when it comes to where we are in this kind of uh, idea of what role we play in the world, um, how does this sort of fit into that conversation? Do you think, Saeed? Do you have a? Can you take a shot at that? Well, how long do we have? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, one of Not the, long enough. One of the uh, rather frustrating issues of the, the this current issue is the fact that uh, the president does not have anybody on the Afghanistan-Pakistan desk uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to the strategic planning at uh, both the Pentagon and I believe also at, uh, at the State Department. In fact, the Secretary of State has announced plans to dismantle the special representative for Afghanistan to take apart that office. That's right. So, I mean, the fact that that would perhaps explain why things were so ambiguous last night, uh, that we don't really have the people in Washington who are controlling things. One of the biggest criticisms that was given was that uh, we, we have been micromanaging too much. But this level of disengagement from Washington is, is, is wrought with peril. But we see that happening elsewhere. And perhaps 
we're moving through a, uh, a moment in American post-Cold War history that this was inevitable, that we are mm-hmm. overextended, uh, that uh, the world has resumed a multipolarity. We are not the only superpower um, around anymore. The, uh, the theater of battle has changed because of asymmetric warfare, and we are having an awful lot of uh, difficulty retooling ourselves, not only when it comes to the military, but also intellectually as to how to deal with these things. One of the things I think we, we really ought to ask ourselves is just how central Afghanistan really is to America's grand interests. There's a reason why prior to 2001, there was no war plan for Afghanistan. American military and defense planners had never conceived of a scenario in which the United States would have to go to war there. Mm. Um, this is in part what led to the, the, the sort of the strange kind of hybrid nature of our initial involvement in, in 2001. Um, absent... Um, 9-11, Afghanistan would not be on the United States radar. It just wouldn't. And I think it's a fair question to ask now, 16 years later, whether or not the intense focus that we have placed there is really warranted. Is the United States really at risk in Afghanistan? And, and I think that an honest conversation would really take up that question and take it up in depth. An honest review would have done that. Mm. I don't think we necessarily have had one of those. Well, actually, I mean, I think we probably would, Peter, still be involved with Afghanistan because prior to uh, 9-11, the Taliban were actually meeting in Houston, Texas, uh, regarding uh, oil and gas. So pipelines were an issue, and as uh, Trump was, uh, was threatening to try to usurp, minerals are also an issue. So I think that there would have been some level of involvement. Clearly, it would not have been as a result of what happened with 9-11, uh, the kind of military intervention, but it would have been perhaps a, a different form of colonialism. Yeah, you're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer, sitting in for Stephen Henderson today. We're speaking about the war in Afghanistan with Peter Trumbor, Associate Professor of Political Science and the Coordinator of the International Relations Program at Oakland University, and Saeed Khan, expert in Middle East and Near East history and politics, a lecturer at Wayne State University. And we want to hear from you. We've only got a few minutes left here, but please call us if you uh, have something to say about where you think we should be, what role the United States should be playing in the world? Where, How does Afghanistan sort of fit into that? And should we be putting boots on the ground in other countries that are there when there is no imminent threat here in the United States? Um, and if you're a Trump supporter, I really want to hear from you. Do you support Trump's vision for Afghanistan of more involvement after he said basically during his campaign – uh, he would. He suggested at least that he'd go in the opposite direction. The number is 313-577-1019. Again, that's 313-577-1019. And we want to go back to the phones here. Chris and Shelby, you're on Detroit Today. Hi, uh, gentlemen. Good morning. Um, I was um, a former, pre- or former student of um, Professor Trombors, and I just had one question for him. Um, what, um, Professor, do you think the role of the uh, military-industrial complex had in extending this war for going on 16 years now because of the economic impact that it has on our U.S. economy? Well, it's an interesting question. Um, We've spent, in in terms of direct appropriations since 2001, the United States has spent on Afghanistan alone something uh, something greater than $800 billion. And uh, hundreds of billions in indirect uh, costs related to that involvement, and that includes weapons procurement, milit- uh, medical care for uh, for veterans, and and things like that. So we're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars. Um, 
Has that been what's been driving U.S. involvement? Uh, I think I'm not so conspiratorial as to suggest that that has been the prime mover. Uh, does that stuff matter? Sure, it does. Um, but let's face it, right? Afghanistan is not our high-tech battlefield, right? You're not you're not putting the big-ticket uh, weapon systems that we spend so much of our money on, whether we're talking about you know top-of-the-line uh, fighter aircraft or missile defense systems or things like that. So the big-ticket items that really uh, you know uh, pay the salaries of the defense industry, that's not what you're seeing involved in uh, within Afghanistan. Uh, to say that that plays no role, though, I think would be naive. Yeah, Chris, thank you so much for that call. I really appreciate that. Uh, let's go to Mark in Ferndale. Mark, you're on Detroit Today. Yeah, hi, thanks. Um, yeah, I, I was just wondering, I mean, it seems to me like any problem that, you know, with a attack being planned in Afghanistan right now could be planned in whatever half of Libya that I believe is controlled by Ansar al-Sharia after we took out Gaddafi. So, and also, as to the duplicitous nature of the Pakistani ISI, which I agree with, it seems like we have a much bigger problem with the Gulf states exporting Wahhabism than we do with um, the Pakistanis, but maybe I'm incorrect. And I was also curious what you guys think about the um, when you were mentioning Iran, um, Iran dealing with Sunni uh, Muslims rather than Shia, which um, anyway, anyway, I'm just interested to hear that. So thanks. I'll take my answer off the air. Thank yeah. You. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for that. Saeed, we only have about a minute left, but what did you have? A, <laughs> yeah, right. Here's, here is the biggest question that we could possibly throw at you with a minute left. <laughs> All right. All right. Let me see if I can help Mark out here and let me take a big inhale. So when it, comes to, when it comes to Iran, it's important to recognize that the western side of Afghanistan is predominantly Shia. And uh, in fact, this was one of the reasons that during uh, American involvement in Afghanistan, Iran offered to help fight uh, al-Qaeda in, uh, in uh, Afghanistan. That was rebuffed by the uh, Bush administration uh, with the infamous axis of evil speech. Wahhabism has definitely, unfortunately, contributed to uh, a lot of the extremism in, uh, in Pakistan. There's a lot of close ties and funding by the Saudis in particular uh, and the other Gulf states with the ISI, a lot of coordination for two reasons. One, to keep the extremism in Pakistan and also to keep it outside the Gulf. So so we have to take a look at how complex uh, these issues really are uh, moving forward with an Afghan strategy. And several of these countries were simply not even mentioned in the president's uh, remarks yesterday. Yeah. Peter, any last thoughts? Uh, in terms of Pakistan as a sponsor of, of terrorism, uh, I think one of the things to note is that uh, none of the groups that Pakistan sponsors has ever attempted to carry out attacks in the United States. They're, uh, they're almost entirely focused regionally against India and in the Afghan-Pakistan uh, border region. And so this notion that, that the kind of attacks the United States is worried about, uh, terrorist attacks uh, coming from Afghanistan, these days far less likely than they would be to come out of Iraq or Syria or Libya or uh, Somalia or any of the other places where we see Islamist activity. And, All that, right. and that was probably the crux of the president's remarks yesterday when he said that I have to protect American people and American interests. Those two may not exactly be the same thing. Yeah, exactly. you know, I, I hate to leave, have to leave it here. We could talk for another hour or five days or two weeks about this going on. But uh, Peter Trumbor, Associate Professor of Political Science and the Coordinator of the International Relations Program at Oakland University. Thanks so much for being here on Detroit today. Thanks very much, Jay. Saeed Khan, expert in middle and Near East History and Politics lecturer at Wayne State University. Thanks so much as always, Saeed. Thank you, Jake. Coming up, we'll talk about bluesman John Lee Hooker, his time spent here in Detroit, and him being inducted into the Detroit Sound Hall of Fame tonight. <laughs> 